Hello everyone, thank you so much for coming uh, and welcome to this BAFTA TV Ladder uh, event when we're going to hear from four professionals working uh, in different disciplines within the industry, different platforms about their journey, how they got to where they are, challenges, barriers along the way and tips for people that are hoping to break into the industry. It is a conversation uh, which we would like you to be part of so I'm thinking maybe you know as we go along put your hand up we're not going to just sit and talk and exclude you and bring you in at the end so please do when things occur just pop your hand up but what I'm going to do is I'm going to start by getting uh, each person to introduce themselves and then we will um, get a wee clip uh, of the work that each of those people is associated with so we'll start at the the end here. Hi, uh, my name's uh, Gregor Sharp. I'm a commissioning editor for BBC Comedy and I, I co-write the show Two Doors Down that's on BBC. Uh, I, I sort of started out in the late 80s uh, at sort of Scottish TV originally and then bumbled my way to, to the current <laughs> job uh, over that time. You and I started working together in news, <laughs> so you didn't start out as a comedy writer. Uh, no, I mean, I, I kind of got a first start just like literally stuffing envelopes at STV. Like, uh, it was a sort of an unpaid, and I suppose what you call an intern thing now. I applied for a job uh, on an arts magazine show they made at that time and, and didn't get that job. I had no experience at all. But I got an interview and, and the bloke that was hiring in, uh, uh, sort of said to me after that, look, you've got no experience, that really counted against you. If you want to just like sort of hang around for a few months and just do odds and ends, then the next time someone comes up, at least you'll have had that experience. And that was really, were it not for that bloke sort of giving me that like chance, uh, you know, that, that would have probably, uh, I would have, you know, never tried it again probably. So that, that literally that one event sort of led to everything else and eventually kind of got a start there. But, uh, you know, I'd, I'd never really set out to work in current affairs or, or anything. I, I, I suppose I probably wanted to do documentaries at that point. But, you know, TV is, uh, and TV at that time, and even more so now, is a, is, is a series of short gigs. You know, you go from one thing to another. And, and so it was really just a case of taking what work was on offer, and that meant moving around between politics, current affairs, arts, all sorts of different things. So, so I was never really such a specialist in anything. It was only years later that I sort of managed to find comedy and then you know, just pursue that. Okay, well, we'll, we'll come back to the, the comedy, but I think that's going to be a theme uh, from all of our uh, guests today, that none of them are doing now what they started out doing. And you're an example of that. Introduce yourself. I'm Katie Bander. I'm Managing Director of Fine Strike Productions. We're a factual um, TV production company based in Glasgow. We're at Film City. We've been going for 12 years. I've worked at Granada, um, Thames, uh, Channel X, I started Channel X, which was a TV production company. Um, Jonathan Ross was my runner and researcher, and then we did lots of, we did the, I produced The Last Resort for Channel 4, and it was, it was fabulous. It was <laughs> great fun. Doing live TV every Friday night was really, really exciting. Um, so I, I think the start of Channel 4 and independent production was a great um, liberator for the whole industry. If you had ideas and you had passion and you were a woman, crucially an independent, uh, uh, you know, it was quite hard to be a woman in entertainment at, at that time. At the BBC and ITV there were lots of smart men with um, blazers and gold buttons on them <laughs> and medallions. There were a lot of medallions. <laughs> um, so everything has changed a great deal, which is, is great. And Do I you miss the medallions? <laughs> Um, so it's it's been been exciting, and, and the next big thing, for, you know, moving up. I moved up here 20 years ago, and it's it's I've seen it grow. Uh, it, 
you know, the TV sector grow enormously in that time. And I think we're now, hopefully, with the BBC and Channel 4, with what they've been saying this week, and Channel 5, actually, uh, hopefully we'll be on the, on, you know, on the edge of another boom up here. Would you say that, Gregory? Yeah, 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 I think yeah, so. Great, I think yeah. the mood music Depends. all sounds pretty good, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Do you think we're going to see, you know, if Channel 4 does manage to um, decide to come to, to Glasgow, we're going to see more of those sorts of productions from Glasgow? I hope so. London's still the epicentre? London's still is very much the epicentre, but there, are, there is a lot on Channel 4, and if you say to people, location, location, location is made here, people don't realize that mm. so there's an awful lot just because it's made in scotland it doesn't have to be tartan tv it's network yeah. we're, you know we're making tv for everybody so um i think we need to do more about portrayal um up here but i think what do you mean well it, we could do with more scottish stories but they still have to be in a network context you know um it needs to be a mixture of contributors and that's about diversity in ev in every area that we do you know, nobody looks at Two Doors Down and says that it's Scottish. It's funny. Mm -hmm. it, it has to be funny rather than Scottish. Mm. But it's doing the, the same things. And I think that's what's really important. And, and Dave, if you look at the presenters <coughs> on Channel 4, and he's still he's got a, a new series coming on Channel 4, he's, he's it's quite posh, the people on Channel 4. He's still a bit of the grit in the oyster. You know, there aren't many, many Daves on television <laughs> presenting shows like that, yeah. you know. Good point, good point. Um, Introducing yourself because you have uh, you're someone that started in Scotland but has moved south. Yeah, yeah, not too far south, <laughs> a little, little bit south. Um, yeah, my name's Ben Tegel. I am a screenwriter and I have written on a whole host of uh, TV shows, including EastEnders, Casualty, Coronation Street, and a kind of kids' football drama called Jamie Johnson for CBBC. And uh, I've just done a first nine nine p.m. sort of prime time show, which is Stanley's Lucky Man um, for Sky, which will be on in the summer. So. I left Corey last year to go and do that, um, and I live in Yorkshire now, originally from Perth, but live in Yorkshire now. And again, you didn't start out writing Coronation Street. Well, tell us a bit about your journey. As a writer, or before that, because I came to writing, I suppose relatively, I, was, I went down and did a creative writing degree in Yorkshire when I was 27. So you knew that you wanted to be a writer right at the beginning? At that point I did, you know, but as a, as a sort of younger adult, you know, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, when I was just bumbling around, um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I always had a, an inkling that I'd love to do something that involved sort of, but I never really thought it was possible, if I'm being honest. I didn't know how to go about it, and I didn't know anybody who was involved in that world, and I just, it never really occurred to me that I could actually have a career as a writer, so it wasn't until I got a little bit older and just went for it, really. Yeah. But you had a long, long period of not earning money, really, yeah, uh, what, yeah. what, what you wanted to do. Oh yeah, very long period. Yeah. <laughs> Still painful now. Um, oh. You know, I had I, from I graduated in two thousand and five, and I had five years before I got my first professional commission, which was in the theatre. And in that interim period, I was I then decided that I had to do something that was vaguely well, as related as possible. So I started working as a copywriter in like advertising marketing, and I got a, a job doing um, like interviews for my local theatre. Um, interviewing like the cast that plays what are coming up, writers and directors and stuff like that. So it was all kind of related and it was all really useful learning stuff. But it was and all and networking as well. And, so it, and I met people through it as well. And it was all very sort of it was uh, it was it, it was all very bitty and piecemeal. And you were sort of going from sort of month to month. But it was I learned a lot from it and I met people. And then that, some of that was stuff that opened other doors. So 
So you did have to sort of just kind of duck and dive a little bit, but it was it was a very 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 bit. And I kept having to do this thing where I kept having to like pretend to people I really wanted a job and then taking a job for like a year and then leaving until I got such a patchwork quilt of a CV that those doors started to close. People just started. Like, you're not going to stay here, you know, you've never stayed in it because I always wanted to write. <laughs> so you get trapped between two worlds. Yeah. And I was a dad at that point as well, which, you know, I had a mortgage and a son and, and I was, you know, it was difficult. Very difficult. I think a lot of people in the media, certainly just seem speaking to you guys, have a patchwork quilt of uh, skills and that applies to yourself as well, if you'd like to introduce. Yes, it does. So hi, I'm Kirsty and I'm a producer on The Social which is BBC Scotland's digital platform for 18 to 34-year-olds. And explain what, what it does. What it does. So, um, so I would say, just to kind of take you back to the beginning, The Social's been um, running for nearly two and a half years, and it came about kind of after the independence referendum, when it was really apparent that there was um, lots of young people in Scotland with something to say, and um, there, it wasn't really obvious at the time kind of what, what the right platform was for them for them to say it. So um, we decided at BBC Scotland to look where the audience was, which was on social media. Uh, so we developed the social and uh, we work with young Scottish talent and develop their ideas. And um, as a production team, we kind of apply our expertise uh, to um, help them adapt their ideas for social media. And then we publish publish their videos, uh, not just videos, there's lots of different mediums, but predominantly videos across our social media channels. Yeah, it all starts with an idea and um, sort of what you're passionate about, that's kind of our starting point. So a really good example is um, a guy, uh, Callum, who he loved, loved wild swimming. He couldn't kind of walk past a body of water in Scotland without jumping in. So he, he did some wild swimming videos for us and explored lots of different um, places you could go while swimming and you know it really showed off Scotland made these beautiful videos and now he's he's uh, on series two of his, his own TV show on BBC Alba um, someone else who does comedy videos for us kind of reactive kind of comedy videos tapping into sort of meme culture she's just been approached by Scott squads um, you know there's just just so many examples it's really it's it's been great for empowering young people in a kind of non-traditional Way, yeah. Well, it's, it's becoming the, the, ma the mainstream way now, nowadays because yes. anyone can, from when, when you and I started out, <laughs> anyone can pick up a phone and definitely do, do something. But you know, the fact that they've got the help of, of the expertise uh, well, of well you guys. That's right, yeah, that's what makes it quite unique. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a great pairing. Mm -hmm. um, as I say, it all starts with a, a passion and an idea. And, you know, the whole point is it doesn't have to be really high production, you know, the the girl I just mentioned there who, who, who does comedy videos for us, Natalie, Natalie Erskine, she has a massive hit with um, a snow day comedy video. Don't know if anyone saw that. So that's, that had about 15 million views and was kind of reacting to, to Beast from the East and just basically how everyone in Scotland freaks out when there's just a tiny bit of snow. And um, and she just shot that on an iPhone. Oh, I did with a, see that, yeah. With a really cracked screen. <laughs> so you don't, you know, you really don't need all the fancy equipment all the time to have to have a massive impact and of course you didn't start out in social media you started no. out as a journalist yes yeah, so I actually so I I did law at uni I'd, um, thought I was going to be a lawyer kind of quickly realized that wasn't for me had always had a, an interest in the media so I worked as a journalist for a local newspaper for two years in Dumfries 
and was kind of, you know, going to all the community council meetings and, um, you know, door stopping people and just doing all the fun things you do as a, a junior reporter. And then um, kind of came to the BBC, did work experience for a while in radio. So was taken on there as a freelancer for um, a couple of years. So did topical radio, um, got to got to co-present on the kind of magazine programme and, and then just kind of built my way up to, to producer. So did you have an idea of what you wanted or you were just trying stuff? Not to a see? clue. Yeah. <laughs> I was exactly the same. Really? I, yeah, I, I, and I, I was, it was clear what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be a presenter. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I never wanted to be a presenter That's and then somebody was opposite one day and I was told you're doing it and uh, uh, I said, I can't do it. I've never sat in a studio or read RTQ in my life and the David Scott, our old, old boss, said to me, and I quote, and I'll, I will use the exact quote, don't worry, if you fuck it up, you won't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, I mean, there are so many stories like that in yeah. television of how, how careers are made. Yeah, you just absolutely. get, you, you stumble on, 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 in a different direction from what you expected, or you get flung into something absolutely. that you didn't think you could do, and you suddenly think, oh, I can, I can do this. This feels right, and we absolutely, so... I loved radio, absolutely loved it, but um, I kind of, kind of knew that social media was was going to be really um, something to kind of look out for, and uh, so when this kind of social opportunity came along, I, I just took it. But I was producing in, in radio, and I went back to researcher um, on the socials because it was a completely new area for me. You know, really had to develop those expertise and. You know, people can be quite dismissive of social media, but it's actually, um, you know, it really needs to be taken seriously. And there's there's a lot to it, and you have to learn about all the individual platforms because something that works for Facebook might not work for YouTube, mm -hmm. might not work for Instagram, and so you are kind of yeah. There's a there's a lot to it. So so no, <laughs> short answer. I didn't. I I really didn't know. Um, but it, it's it's worked out really well, and yeah. it's a good fit. It's not unlike radio as well I would say what we do because we're very reactive and you know we publish it tends to be two videos a day of brand new content so you know it's very fast moving and um, quite high pressured and there's a lot of adrenaline so yeah it's not actually that unlike radio. Right and, and Gregor you started out in a journalistic field mm -hmm. but did you always have in your eye in your mind that you wanted to do comedy? No not really I mean it's interesting just Thinking back now, what, what what your mindset was and what what decisions and what you know situations led to others, but uh, I don't I don't know. There was just a sort of almost like a a poverty of ambition or or a sort of an ignorance of how things worked. But I, I just sort of never occurred to me that, that that sort of writing a sitcom was like a, a possible thing to do. You know, it was just like that was that. I don't I don't know where I thought sitcoms were made. I, I guess somewhere somewhere in the home <laughs> counties, right at that time, uh, but. It just didn't seem like a, a kind of realistic thing. I mean, I avidly consumed them, right? I mean, I'm like absolutely soaked in watching them and like all that. Wh when I sort of get into making comedy, all that kind of came to the surface, you know. Well, you're, you're I want to know what, 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 was, what was the progression you were into? How did you get into making comedy? Uh, I, I, from, from where I kind of started, cut forward a few years, I was sort of like going from job to job as a, as a sort of an assistant producer or a producer. So. Uh, and freelancing at that point, so between STV or BBC or independent production companies, but like literally whatever shows were being made had been commissioned for those net for, for those broadcasters. You might pick up a job, a three-month job, a six-month job. Uh, so that would be producing something or directing something. Uh, and eventually, kind of just through doing those sorts of jobs, ran into somebody who who was making a sitcom here, 
and like that was the first time I kind of bing went on of like I didn't even really know you could do that, uh, and that was for BBC One. It, it absolutely tanked, by the way. It wasn't a successful <laughs> show, but even what were you involved in writing? No, 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 just just somebody I knew, like a sort of peer, was involved in that, and so it was an entirely different discipline. There were, I mean, like still now, there's 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 big demarcations between the genres. You know, people that worked in in drama. Uh, and comedy uh, didn't really kind of mix with people that worked in kind of factual genres, you know, like that was a completely separate parts of the business. So it was only just by an informal acquaintance I kind of happened to know that bloke, and that kind of opened up my eyes to that whole thing. And then, <coughs> kind of like Kirsty's talking about that at that time, uh, BBC Choice, which led to then BBC Three, sort of emerged as a sort of a new a new platform for people to do new things, not from established talent. And eventually, around then, I kind of got hooked up with somebody uh, who had a character. We got some very, very uh, low-level money to do a little pilot, a little taster thing, and that, that was really the thing that led to everything So that else. was the first thing you actually wrote? Yeah, well, I sort of produced and, and, and filmed that for him, and then we ended up collaborating creatively, and that, I still write with him today now. Yeah. Uh, Simon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Perry. Yeah, yeah, he, the character yeah. was a sort of, like, she ran a sunbed salon in Glasgow, and it was, it was a, a really fully formed character. Uh, and, and it, but that was, like, literally one starting point. We didn't really know about structure, about you know, like the, all the creative things about writing, we didn't, we, we'd sort of literally sort of stumbled our way through uh, and really learnt on the job, which is an amazing opportunity. And it's true that you learn much more from mistakes, you know, and like, uh, and, and we were incredibly fortunate to kind of just get that opportunity in a relatively low risk environment. Nobody's really watching those channels. They, they were poorly funded. They were kind of seen as a bit of a kind of obligation. Mm -hmm. They weren't really taken that seriously. But it was an incredibly opportunity. Cut your teeth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And th does that resonate with you as, yeah. as a writer starting out? To an, ex to an extent, some of it. I, mean, I, I didn't have the, I went into it without having that pre bit of, of being in s around one section of it even. Because yeah. well, basically me, I had a job that, that was, I actually made quite good money when I was in my mid-twenties and I was miserable as sin, like I absolutely hated it, you know. To the point where I really, I think I was getting a bit depressed, you know, and then I ended up one night when the mate of mine was at Leeds College of Music and I had a client down there and I got stranded in Leeds, the weather was really bad, I had a great night, I went to this open mic night and it was like all, like people doing scratch theatre and poetry and acoustic guitars and I'm there like, like a whatever in my suit and because I'd literally been stranded down there and I woke up the next morning in my hotel room and I thought, oh, I can't go back and do this anymore, I've got to do something creative and literally within two months I'd applied for a creative writing degree, not really thinking even at that stage that this is going to be my career, it was kind of like, I had a flat in Edinburgh that I had for a couple of years, so I had a little bit of money and I just thought, I'm just going to blow that in a couple of nice years and enjoy my life for a while and I'll write some stuff and it's just, and then it kind of went from there. And you said the first thing that you wrote was, was for theatre. No, the, the first thing I ever, the first full script I ever wrote was for radio. Oh, right. And it was because there was a visiting lecturer in my course and I'd written this little skit thing and he says, you know, the dialogue's really good, it's really funny, you've got a great voice for, you know, write stuff for radio. And I was saying it to a couple of guys actually, he's nodding at the back there uh, earlier on, uh, and I'd never really thought Radio 4, I'm not, I'm not going to write for Radio 4. So I came up with this idea, and it was a wee comedy thing about a guy who, it was just as Viagra came out, and, uh, and it was about a guy who's a taxi driver, and somebody has to hurriedly leave his taxi and run to the police, and he leaves a big bag of Viagra in the back of the seat, and this guy's then got this Viagra, and it turns into this big thing. And I wrote that as a as a 45-minute radio drama, which, I mean, I'd, at that point, I'd never even listened to a radio drama. And I'd listened to a couple of them, and it was like, like you know, it was like some sort of doctor in Wiltshire talking. You know, it, was, it wasn't anything that I could Not our voices, no. So I wrote my thing, and I set it in Scotland, and I sent it in for a 
competition called the Alfred Bradley Bursary. Uh, and I came runner-up in that and got like a few hundred. It's the first thing I'd ever sent anywhere, which is actually a really bad thing. It's kind of like having a big win at the bookies when you first bet and then you become a really bad gambler for yeah. a couple of Because <laughs> it was really a great thing for me because I suddenly thought, I'm brilliant and this is dead easy. And then I had a couple of years of being miserable and depressed and reality kicked in. Um, but that was the first thing I wrote and entered it for a competition and got something out of it. Right. And and from there, it, you know, w once you've got over the gambling habit, did, mm. did, um, <laughs> did, how did you make the break into the likes of Coronation Street and things like that? Because you were also writing theatre and you still write theatre as well, don't you? Well, the, the funny thing with theatre for me was, I mean, there is a sort of precursor to this writing story. I think things do happen even without you realising they're happening. During Edinburgh Festival one year, a girl I was seeing at the time, I never really mentioned the theatre, but it was a play called Decky Does a Bronco, which you may be familiar oh, yes, with. Yeah. Douglas Maxwell, and it was a frantic, he wasn't frantic assembly, but I forget the name of the company, Gridiron. Gridiron, Gridiron. Yeah. And it was in a park in Edinburgh as part of the Edinburgh Festival, and this, this girl I was seeing at the time, she said, we should go and see that. And I had one of the loveliest nights of my life. She was lovely as well, to be fair, which helped. But uh, um, <laughs> it was one of the loveliest nights of my life. We sat there, you could just have a, like, a glass of wine in the park and everything. And, and, but I'd never really been, I, I didn't really go to theatre as, as a kid or anything. And then I came out of uni and I was really, really trying to get into television and getting absolutely nowhere because people tend not to take a risk on you when there's any sort of stakes involved. And, uh, and then I, I remember speaking to a TV producer and he said, the thing is, you know, you, at the minute there's a sort of vogue for playwrights. Um, if you could find some kind of love for the theatre, you know, you could sort of, you, you, you might have a better chance if you've got of oh. getting some work on. So, so then that was a deliberate sort of tactical... It kind of was a tactical move right. in me. And then, but then what happened was I went to see... A, well, what happened then was I thought back to that night, I thought, well, maybe theatre doesn't have to be that sitting in seats and sort of, maybe I can do it. So I started putting little shows on in pubs with other writers and actors I knew and doing that kind of stuff. Uh, and then off the back of that, I got my... And, but this is like five years after I'd graduated. So I, I probably wasted about two or three years deciding I wanted to write for television and then started doing this sort of small-scale guerrilla theatre as, as, it, as it was and, and putting on little shorts and stuff with other people and then I got a my first proper professional theatre commission was in 2010. By which point, you know, I was in my mid-thirties, you know, mm. so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a kid and I, my, I had a five-year-old son by that point. Um, so yeah, it was, sometimes I do think there is a little bit of, you know, you, you need to sort of take that sideways step out of the route that you're on to think that how do I get around this right. obstacle I've got here and for me all of a sudden because what that 2010 commission gave me then was the BBC Writers Academy had started up at that point but the bar for that was you had to have a professional commission and it had been going for about 2000 since 2004 2005 and I couldn't apply for it because it, as soon as I got that professional commission I was able to apply for the Writers Academy and start heading back more towards TV, which had been my original plan. Right. Um, Katie, you um, we were talking earlier about just the transferable skills <laughs> in our industry and, and, and the way that we've all ended up doing something different from what we started. You very much so. Yes, uh, I started in radio and then I moved a fairly traditional route through researcher and AP sort of route. But I, I was quite young when we started Channel X. There were lots of there weren't the super indies in that way. The independent produc production sector was, was just um, starting out, really. And uh, there, wa there was a sort of feeling, at only at Channel 4, that they were hungry for ideas, they were hungry for new faces. The way um, Jonathan, I was working with Jonathan, I did a, a 
music show called Soul Train, and Jonathan was one of the researchers on it. And uh, him and uh, uh, the other researcher, Alan Mark, decided they wanted to do a Letterman-type show. At that time, nobody really knew what Letterman was over here. And um, they persuaded Channel 4 to give them some money. And uh, they went around trying to get lots and lots of people to present the show, and they couldn't. Nobody would touch them. So they said, well, we'll do a pilot, and Jonathan will present the pilot because there was nobody else to present it. You know, let's just give them a go. And uh, the pilot was terrible, but Jonathan was very good. Mm. And the rest <laughs> is sort of history. And we started off doing the show as a pre-record, and after five weeks it went live at half past ten every Friday night. I remember that. And it was very exciting. And um, we moved on. We did Rick and Bob. We did, I did Joe Brand. We did Sean's show. We did lots and lots of stuff that was all seen as alternative comedy in those days. And now they're just like the grand old faces yeah. of comedy. But that is the thing they are. As you say, as you say that they are the grand old faces. Are, are production companies like yours still on the lookout? I'm always on the lookout. Yeah. Always on the lookout. And talent, you know, on-screen talent. Uh, well, talent in any way. Ideas. I mean. Television is hungry for ideas, and they're all the same stories. You know, Bank of Dave is David and Goliath, essentially. You know, it's the same story that's been going for a hundred years, but told in a different way. He was a, uh, and I spent two years trying to get Dave off the ground after I'd discovered it. Really, um, it's hard to get stuff off the ground, but but you know. So what were the barriers in getting that made? So I met Dave. Tony Livesey of Radio Five rang me up and said. I want you to meet this bloke who's driving me mad. <laughs> um, he wants to be on TV. And I went down, and I always say I found him in a, in, um, a motel off the M6. I found him in the Tickle Trout just off the M6. <laughs> and he was all ready to, he was desperate to be on TV. And you can see he's a larger-than-life character. Mm. You don't meet those people yeah. every day. And he was completely self-made. It was an incredibly impressive um, thing that he'd done. He had a hilarious advert that was on YouTube that for, for his minibuses. And... Um, we made a little taster with it. We, we needed an idea to go with him. I couldn't just put him in something that was just a sort of run-of-the-mill presenter type thing. And then one day he was moning on and on and on about the banks. And I said, why don't you own your, your own bank? And he said, oh, that's not a bad idea. I said, yeah, we could call it the Bank of Dave. He said, but everybody calls me David. I said, we're not calling it the Bank <laughs> of Dave. <laughs> it doesn't work. Believe me, it's the Bank of Dave. And we, fully, we funded the taster with it. We shot with him. And I took the and I showed it to the BBC, and the BBC absolutely loved it, and they gave me some money to develop the idea. And they said, and it went to the controller of BBC Two, Janice Hadlow then, and she said, I really like it, but will it get a banking license? And I said, I don't know. That's the whole, that is the thing. Mm -hmm. And they turned it down because they didn't know how it was going to work mm -hmm. out. And then it went to two other people at Channel Four, and then eventually. One day, I showed it to someone at Channel 4 that was in a completely different department. He said, I love it, I love it, I love it. It was commissioned within three weeks. And it went on, it was nominated for BAFTA. And we've done lots more with him. And there's a musical being written about him. And now somebody wants to turn it into a drama. So, uh, you know, I've got a meeting with him in, a, in two or three weeks with a drama company coming down. So a good story is a good story. A, mu you a know. musical, did you say? There's a musical being written with a very, very high-profile person writing music. Oh. <laughs> who, who you'd like to name here? No, because it's <laughs> being, I know it's being taped. <laughs> but um, it's, 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 it's never died. My worry with it, well, we made the taster, and it was just after the banking crisis, and I thought, 
oh, it's, the banking crisis is going to go away and people will start liking the banks again. But thankfully, that's yeah. never happened. <laughs> that was my not, real worry. That is not going to happen. I, I mean, I look I at that now that. and it could be made now. You know, it's not that, that different. The, the, there's a thing about, you know, there's something there about it, it's a credibility, you know? Like, he was, like, he was an interesting bloke that had done mm -hmm. all this, right? Mm -hmm. But he couldn't have approached Channel 4 or BBC no. directly. So he had to kind of go to, there had to be a credible... Mm -hmm. Yeah, source of like you know, and, like, and that's where that's where you come in, right? Uh, and and likewise, if you're sort of starting out, I think you know, you can have brilliant ideas. You can have a brilliant idea for a show, a drama, like a, a quiz show, whatever. But that's uh, where you take it. Yeah, because it's it's just the level of risk. You know, podcast is a really really expensive business. You know, you you have to take a massive amount of money, even on quite small scale program. So it, it's like that. You know, a broadcaster needs be credible. Like mm -hmm. it's a, it's a somewhere along the line, it has to be a sort of credible. But, but the great thing idea. about what yeah. you're doing yeah. is, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what's yeah. that's what's yeah. great, yeah. exciting now. Because where I used to put that stuff on in pubs and all the rest of it, yeah. I think if it was now, I'd be coming to somebody that's like right. you and trying to, you know. Yeah. Okay. Social media is a more of an mm. equaliser now. That yeah. yeah, for sure. And like I think the great thing about um, you know what we do is we c we can experiment with loads of loads of different things. You know, it isn't all. Um, it isn't all kind of comedy videos. We, we do loads of Facebook lives as well, so you can sort of try out presenters and you know do all these do all these mad formats. Like so, for example, uh, we had like, our most successful Facebook live ever, which is I think we reached about n not far off half a million people. Um, was an idea uh, I had about just putting someone on a beach at Air Air Beach where you know. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of seagulls and uh, people get attacked by seagulls so we just got this presenter to stand on the beach and hold up different foods just to see, oh <laughs> my just to see what the seagulls would react to so i mean what do you think would happen <laughs> i know exactly i mean it was pretty like high risk but it was um it was just such a kind of crazy idea and you can only really experiment with things like that on so you know on social media but it was good for her because she just kind of ran with it and she was really funny and you know, um, so that it wouldn't have been, it would not have been for, it wouldn't have been for everyone, but she, it, it really helped. Um, she does, she still does comedy videos for us and she's presented, she presented, um, we streamed a live date on Valentine's Day. Uh, so that was us kind of trying out a, a dating show format, which is obviously kind of huge in television at the moment, um, when you're trying to appeal to young audiences. So she was the kind of, like almost like the waiter in first dates. You know, she was going between the, the two people on a date and she's also, um, she appeared in Still Game. She appeared in an episode of Still Game and um, she's, she's done, she's writing comedy for BBC Scotland at the moment, uh, the short stuff strand. Right. So loads, loads of opportunities. And that was just getting, getting to try stuff out, you know, mad, mad shit. <laughs> it's a really interesting <laughs> thing at the moment, that sort of cross-pollination between social media and mainstream drama, because yeah. Hollyoaks have just got the first YouTubers sort of become a character in Hollyoaks. Oh really? I didn't That's know that. That's just happening. There was all that stuff with that Grado guy yes. who has went from Scott Squad. sort of guerrilla wrestling in River City to viral videos with Jason Cummings from Hibs to, you know, and it, there seems to be a lot, the things are much less demarcated now than I think they ever used to be. Is that fair to say? Definitely, yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of, especially the kind of younger end of our audience, to be honest, that they're not watching a huge amount of, of no. linear TV. No, no. No. You know, their kind of celebrities are YouTubers yeah. and, um, you know, like kind of like your Zoella and a lot of big gamers. 
And um, there's a lot of Scotland. We've got this guy who does gaming videos for us. Called uh, it's called Gary Marley. I should ask, do you pay him for these? Oh things? yes, yes. Should have said that. Yes. yes. Uh, so we pay it for every video we publish. So yeah, because it's obviously it's got to be. Yeah, it's a two-way street for sure, and you know a lot of people like that's their that's their career. So yes, we do. We pay. Okay. Yeah. And Katie, do you scour social media? For yeah, we look everywhere. Yeah, and um, and. Yeah, always looking for new ideas and, and new faces and new ways of telling stories. Uh, and then it, you know, it's, it's like Gregor was saying, we, we sort of, we know what the broadcasters are looking for and how we can shape things and, and what works in which slots and what the channels are looking for. And that changes quite a lot. I think there's going to be more changes at, at Channel 4 over the, um, uh, over the next few months. I think it's, it's, it's hard for the terrestrial broadcasters because they have to keep things fresh. And I think, and, and, and obviously lots of people are watching on catch-up, but we're consuming so much stuff mm. that it's, it's, we're always looking for something new and different and, and louder. And, but long form as well as short form. I, I was with someone the other day that was working on one of the digital platforms and he, they're shocked at how much long form and old long, they're looking through my back catalogue to buy stuff because young people are, are looking at the older long form stuff as well as you know the clippy bits of stuff it's very i was quite surprised it's really interesting i want to ask you um about internships because it, gregor you mentioned that you you did the yeah. I, I called it a gopher when I was yeah. uh, when I started out because that, that's what how I started out in STV was just you know in fact I, I, I remember helping out Muriel Gray when she was doing a, a spot um, uh, and I was just putting photocopying scripts and things like that but I back then and it was the 80s uh, you were paid what you would have been paid if you'd been signing on yeah. so you were given some money yeah. were you paid uh, not at first. Uh, I, I remember not being able to go in because I had to go to sign on in Paisley. We couldn't go right. in that day because it was too hard. But uh, uh, yeah, that's a big question. This right, but, and, and uh, because you know you've got to make your own opportunities. Everybody says that, right? And it's like uh, uh, you have to sort of like prove uh, a passion. You've got to pick up expertise. How do you do that? Only by the entry level job. And the entry level job is the bottom rung, and uh, it's going to be. A, you know, very competitive because as many people want those jobs, and so the way add those things together, it's it, you get that sort of you know bad situation where they're they're kind of unpaid and and you've got a but you're expected to give like an enormous amount of commitment and mm. work and and, and uh, some people, people can't afford to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and like you know, the abuse of it is that uh, people end up doing it for way longer. It's not just a kind of two months. You've yes. proven your experience and your commitment, and now you move on to something else. You get trapped in that for like a year, and people are using you for unpaid labour. Mm -hmm. like, uh, there's a dreadful abuse that goes on. I mean, it's, it's clear. Yes, uh, yes, uh, yes. So I guess you know you've got to somehow be able to pick your way through that and kind of. Uh, take what you want from it or what you can get from it, but then not get trapped in it. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, a lot of this is about sort of, it's about sort of like being yourself as a person, sort of communicate. It's not always about, right, okay, there's a job, I'm going for that, you know, and, and people that do those jobs act in this way or need these skills. You've got to sort of like, uh, so, so much about opportunities is just uh, being able to sort of like, uh, you know, shine as yourself and yes. like, uh, and, and, uh, I think obviously you want to kind of like show, there's no point in kind of doing a runner's job and then expecting to sit in the director's chair, right? If, if, 
if you're going to do a Lance job, you've got to be great at that, and you've got to show like an incredible amount of kind of give and, and commitment to doing that. And the best people that I've, I've encountered in those sorts of jobs are just bright, enthusiastic, inquisitive, yeah. uh, want to do extra. After they've done all their duties, then then can I learn about this and do it and helpful and personable. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. uh, they don't want to bitch and moan, and but, but like an enthusiastic can do actually will go so far. That goes further than any qualification mm -hmm. than anything. Yeah. It's just I absolutely agree. agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as I say, I started off um, uh, printing scripts, and it's just about, you know, I fit in here, I, I like these people, I want to, you know, be yeah. part of this production team and just offer to do everything I can. But I, I used to get so frustrated um, later in my career when uh, young work experience people would come in and they were clearly only interested in reading the news. But mm. th why would you have to write? You know, run yeah, scripts or, or whatever, and I feel quite strongly. I don't know you, you, that you should be prepared to do the shit as well as the, the good stuff. Absolutely, and uh, you know, there's a lot of shit that we all do. You yeah. know, just because I'm the MD, it doesn't mean to say I don't do do the other stuff. And I, in fact, staying with me last night was a, a, a friend of mine, and she's uh, on works on 24 hours in police custody and 24 hours in a and &E. Oh yes. And I said to her this morning what piece of advice would, would you give? And she said, make great tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think all that's great, you know, and I totally agree with it, because you do have to get your hands dirty. But the problem comes, I think, when so many of these opportunities are in London, and to a lesser extent, mm. even Glasgow. Absolutely. Country, and then you just sort of, like, bar a whole section of the population from being able to access them. I think that's true. That's, that's, that's one of the yeah. challenges, yeah. you know, particularly the London thing, because who, for, I mean, I live in Wakefield just beside Leeds, who from Wakefield or Leeds or nobody's nobody except for a certain kind of person has an, any a snowball's chance in hell of going and doing mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know. And that's when when you go and these big companies who are making millions, they're, they're successful, they've got money, and why are they asking somebody to do that for no money? Yeah, you do it for small money, but to do it for no money, is, sorry, I'm getting a bit wrong. No, yeah. no <laughs> we don't take on no, absolutely. Money. I mean, we really don't. But if I'm going to take people on at that level, they have to be the right people because mm -hmm. otherwise it's quite tough in a small office yeah, if somebody's not yeah, yeah. pulling their weight. You know. Do you think it is possible for somebody starting out to have a career purely in Scotland? Yes. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think like you know, uh, it can be difficult to be very specialist. That's the thing I kind of probably found. You know, like I was saying earlier, you kind of job to job from like one genre to another and. To, uh, and that can be difficult uh, because say, say you're, you want to get into like a script, they're directing, right? Like uh -huh. uh, directing fiction, then, you know, in Scotland in, in any one year, there might be a few children's dramas short, there might be a few features, there might be some, some uh, continuing drama, there might be some comedy, right? But there's not going to be like so much of any one thing that you can specialise in that one discipline, right? Does, does it Whereas actually make it, is it an, actually, sorry to interrupt, but no. an advantage in Scotland because it is a smaller pool? You can move around a little bit and that's an advantage. So you, like opportunities come faster to you if like, you can progress quite quickly. But when you then kind of go for that uh, job against other people, like as Ben says, you, if you gravitate to one of the other big centres, i.e. London, you are competing with people with a very specialist CV, right? And you're up for a drama job, like uh, which is a big BBC One drama, and on your CV you were directing a children's show last year and doing some entertainment stuff and things like And it looks like you're not committed or don't have the same level of expertise, specialised expertise, right. which puts you at a disadvantage. 
And the other thing is there is a snobbery about, I mean, let's, you know, like that. You oh, know, absolutely, when, yeah. when <laughs> I was trying to get jobs in London and I, you know, on my CV on my showreel, it was like an STV opt-out show, they'd look down at it like, shit, didn't, didn't count. So your expertise of crafting a story and being in an edit suite and filming it and doing it, we're all exactly the same, but, you know, like success has currency, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we do it all the time in fucking commissioning. It's dreadful, really, when you think about it. Like, if you're casting a show, then you look at what was a hit last year, mm -hmm. right? To, and you, you can, the actors from that show somehow have a, a greater currency because the show itself was a success over some other actor, right? If you think about it, there is no logic in that yeah. because actors just have a talent in and of themselves, right? And you shouldn't yeah. judge them against mm -hmm. the success of a, a show where they had no control over whether that would be successful or not. But like that, that is how things are judged. Do you come across yeah. that? Yes, no, but what I would say is that don't expect to have a, uh, a career in TV and go home to your, ha your house in Scotland every night. You know, TV will take you everywhere. Yeah. Sure. We, w we had teams in Berlin for months and months making Bank of Days. And it's, uh, you will be on the move and productions will be based in different places for different reasons. And although you, your home may be here. I suppose you know, what I was meaning was, yeah. do you have to do it through London in the end? Oh, well, everything's pitched through London. I'm in yeah. London all the time, yeah. 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 Um, Gregor, would you have got two doors down made if you had been in London and didn't have the, the, the conduit, if you like, of BBC Scotland? Uh, uh, yeah, I, th I, mean, I think it's slightly, uh, for very boring reasons, but that's commissioned, it's sort of commissioned between BBC Scotland and BBC Two, so it's slightly complicated, but I mean, ultimately, BBC Two have to kind of, you have to survive in the same level as all their other output, yeah. right? Because that channel, comedy on that channel is a very high bar. You've got Inside Number Nine, Mum, Motherland. You've got amazing shows, right? And like, they're not going to say, right, okay, it's okay for a few weeks we'll put out a tough one. It's got to be, it's got to be as good as all that, right? It's got to fit. That's that's their contract with the audience. They want to be known, you know, on com for comedy on their channel. They want to be known that it's great. Yeah. So you know, you've got to be able to like fit with that, you know. Uh, so the, the, the market opportunities are all slightly different, right? So, so what will work for the social comedically has a certain voice. What works for BBC One Scotland has a certain voice. BBC Two Scotland late night, like Lemmy, could is a strange show where that sort of can work across a lot of different platforms. But it's not going to be on BBC One at nine o'clock network, right? It's, it's you know, it, but it's got a home somewhere. I wish somewhere. it was actually. <laughs> 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 I love it. It's like he's an unusual, he's very unusual sort of case to, to bring up. But I, I you know, I. Ultimately, there's slightly different rules and, and, and uh, things at play depending on spot and channel, I guess. Okay. Do you know what? I think I'm going to throw this open because you've heard lots from uh, all of us, but um, uh, you're all people that uh, are hopefully hoping to start out in different aspects of the industry. So any of you might want to start us off. Um, just sort of picking up on the, the question about... Uh, having a career in Scotland, I was wondering, sort of looking at from the other direction, if you want to get things made in Scotland, do they have to be about Scotland? No. I would say, I mean, look at the big hits out of Scotland. You know, Antiques Road Trip, been commissioned for years to come. It's on every night on the TV. We make for ITV, Channel 4, the BBC. Um, no, no, a good idea is a good idea, and it, you know, it can come from anywhere. Can I ask why, why you're asking the question? Do you feel that you want to see more S Scottish reference stuff? Um, yeah, I guess I, I feel uh, so mainly my interest is in the scripted stuff. Um, and I feel the, the way Scotland's portrayed on screen is it 
tends to be quite Glasgow centric. Uh, central belt sort of and thing. Central belt yeah. stuff and from the Highlands. And I think whenever I see the Highlands on TV, it's either a stag party who are going up there, so they're not Highlanders, or it's uh, monarchy like the Glen type man in tweeds traipsing across his Christ. Shooting grass or shooting, shooting grass. up is the way yeah. I describe it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good, very good. Have you, have you been able to address that one? Well, I, I don't do scripted, but, um, you know, Shetland has been a huge hit on BBC One, so I think that's up to the, the, the commissioners and scripts and, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to say that. I think everybody likes... Drama is incredibly powerful. I, I think that Cold Feet did more for Manchester than anybody. It made it seem cool and young yeah. and energetic, and I think... You know, we've, we've yet to find that sort of piece. That there have been a few pieces, Lip Sync and Glasgow Kiss, but they weren't sort of long running. But I think Cold Feet has really done a lot to make Manchester seem like a cool place to be. So you want to find the Cold Feet for Inverness or something like it's that? It's about finding yeah. the right pieces, I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but they're, they're, it's, it's difficult to engineer these things. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, we, we, we're very conscious of it, you know. Uh, but you can't kind of say, right, we want to, we want to represent, we want to represent the Hebrides. Let's, let's just make, make that happen. You're at the mercy of like uh, somebody, a brilliant talent coming to you with a brilliant idea. You know, it's like stories uh, that come yeah. first. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I, I, I don't. It's difficult because if you recognise there's an issue, right, you can't then just sit in your hands and say, well, somebody else will eventually solve it for us because they'll come forward with a brilliant idea. So I, I recognise that, you know, it's a two-way street. We've got so we, so we get involved in various different ways. Let's say. We have initiatives with the writers' room through the BBC to specifically sort of try and address like matters of representation and portrayal. Uh, that's one thing we could do, right? Uh, but you know, we have a contract with the audience, which goes, uh, "We will give you the best stuff with the best people in it." Right? That's what we've got to do, and like we can't put like representation ahead of that. You know, uh, when it works, it, you know, you t the best example of this I think we've done recently is a show called This Country, which was on. BBC Three, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, for example, right now the Cotswolds, you you could you have an image of how that's portrayed, right? And then from you know literally just one character, they have built a universe which completely turns on its head the portrayal of the Cotswolds mm -hmm. and what like rural life is, in a completely brilliant, heartbreaking, true, authentic, amazingly funny way. You know, uh, talents like that don't sort of like come along all the time, but that's. That's one example of how it can be done. You know, it's, it's not about kind of going, uh, we want to portray the Highlands better, so we are going to ask an indie to come up with a Highland set show because what you will get is something false that won't work and won't ring mm. true. So you've got to do talent first. Uh, is the only I way think that's such a, mm. sorry, Chris. No, no, sorry. I, that, I think that example you just said, that's mm. it in a nutshell, yeah. isn't it, really? That, is the, that show mm. for me is just so unexpected but brilliant. And I, mean, I, I suppose from my point of view, I've got a slightly different thing in relation to that question. I live in England now. I've got a play out just now which has done really well and it's still running now and it's been like critically brilliantly received. And I ended up, I was up here for a couple of days, so I went to see BBC Scotland yesterday and they've read the reviews of the play and the first question I'm getting asked is, is would you set that back in Scotland? And it's a now set in Bradford, you know. Would you set that back in Scotland? And I'm, I'm saying, well, I originally imagined it in Scotland anyway. It's only in Bradford because that's where it is, you know. And it's, but I think it's got to come from something that is exciting and feels like it could authentically, you know, you, you can't put the, the cart before the horse with these things. It really has to come from a, like anything, it has to come from a position of genuine creativity and passion and heart. And if, you get, if you've got that, anything's possible, if it's got all of that, I think. Kirsty. I was just going to say, we, I think this is kind of where the social comes in as well, because we are really conscious of that, the kind of 
geographical diversity in Scotland. So um, we've got at the moment we've got Mario Lane who does comedy videos. She's from Shetland, and you know I think she, for her career, was under lots of pressure to kind of move to the central belt. You know, it was almost all, all you're always kind of under pressure to move further south. But she just loved Shetland and was just totally immersed in it and just wanted to have the career in Shetland. So she's done a lot of comedy videos um, with kind of kind of Shetland specific references. So she's really um, we've kind of developed her talent, and then she's now writing. She's writing um, like horror films, and she's writing a drama, and it, it all comes back to her experience living on an island and, and growing up. So um, she started doing comedy, but is now you know kind of moving into other genres. So I think it is coming through. So that's kind of how social media is addressing that. I would say. Thank you for the, that question. Somebody else? Um, in terms of going back to the drama issue, we just spoke about the chat behind me. If you were to be approached, I'm talking now as production companies or as commissioners, what is what are the key things you're looking at when you're approached with, say, a script for a drama or for a show? Does it have to be fully polished? Does it just have to be the core idea? How, how far down the pipeline does the person, i.e. me in this instance, coming to you with that idea, how much of it has to be completely solid or how much of it can you say, well, that's enough for us to kind of take on from here, we'll push it in any direction. What's the kind of, is there a collateral point where you say, well, this isn't enough or that's got to be worked on more? It's, it's uh, it depends. And, and it's a bit of a stocks and shares uh, question, this, because uh, if you're a very established writer, uh, then you're, your, sto your stock is high and you can go to a broadcaster or an indie and kind of go, uh, okay, the next thing I want to do is a thing about this. And you will get a development deal and, and, and a, you know, funding to write a script and, and that, you know, you won't have to do a lot, right? You're kind of saying my next thing might be this. Like you always thought about it, right? But you won't actually have had to do all the kind of... Uh, no, Craig, Craig, no, no, on the other side of the camera, like writers, basically, writers and producers, right? So uh, if your stock, stocks and shares value is low, right, which is a crude way of saying that if you're an emerging a writer with, with no track record of credits, right, then you're not going to get far by just saying, here's the thing I want to do. Like, so you've got to demonstrate everything. Uh, and that means you've got to write a spec script and you've probably got to have a series plan, you've probably got to have another couple of ideas because once you start, that's all starts getting interrogated. <coughs> It's like, okay, so this, the writing here is good, uh, this one episode is good, but can you write six? So that would have to get inter interrogated. Okay, this might be one good idea, but have you got anything else? Because this is quite good, but we don't quite fancy this, so what else have you got? So then it's like, have you, know, have, have you, have you got all your eggs in this one basket, or do you have another few things up your sleeve? So it's, it sort of depends, really. And it, and it also depends, as a writer, if that's where you're coming from, it depends which producer you're hitched up with as well, right? So if you're kind of going in with a big super indie producer who regularly supplies a lot of drama and comedy across all the big networks, then you've got, uh, you know, you've just got more muscle uh, in, the, in, in the market, right? You're, you're bringing in a writer and, and you're asking a broadcaster to trust you and based on your track record of supplying all these big shows, they are going to trust you, broadly speaking, right? If you're with an indie who doesn't have that track record, then you've both got a job of of convincing people that you are uh, able to uh, create and handle like a really big show because once you get into those uh, and it's like we're talking about lots of different like things here uh, just talking about the scripted end of the market is is kind of about scale you know it's about 
big talent in terms of actors, and it's about uh, like the drama ends, right? Fucking Game of Thrones and all that is meant for, right? It's like, it, it's changed everything, right? You, you're not gonna, you can't, you know, that, that scale has changed everything, right? And you, 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 you know, when you, when you watch drama on BBC One, you're now expecting this scale. When you watch Netflix drama or Sky Atlantic drama, you're now expecting, it's, it went crazy, hasn't it, you know? So, when you're talking about those sums of money, you're asking people to invest an enormous amount, and, and uh, they need to be ultra sure of what they're buying into, right? So, uh, I guess that's where, if you're an emerging writer, it's about proving and that might be through continuing drama plus, or it might be like doing stage work, or it might be like you can convince people in different ways. But uh, it can come down to that. And then maybe you can tell us a bit more about the, in answer to that question about the the, the process that you went through to to break into television. Yeah, that conversation. Yeah, sure. I, I, everything that Greg has just said here absolutely chimes with my experience from the other side of that. Um, it's amazing. I'm getting to a point now where I can get a bit of money to develop stuff off a few pages and a you know paragraphs on a page, but but even still, you know, it's, there's always a barrier. And for me, coming off a, a continuing drama or a soap or whatever you want to call it now, there is still that snobbery of well, you've written a lot of Corey, but can you really? And then getting my first nine prime time nine o'clock was a landmark. That was the next sort of staging point for me. What did you have to submit to them for the the very very first TV commission? How, how much? My very first how week. much? Well, the Writers Academy did that for me. You see, right. um, I got onto that scene, so I got my first stage commission, and I got onto the Writers Academy. And part of that deal was you did a three-month intensive course about writing for continuing dramas, and part of that contract was that you did a rotation of the shows that were in that department. So that was Holby City, Casualty, Doctor. So you, you started right. on Doctors, you got a commission on Doctors. That was always the first one you did, and you wrote that script as part of the three-month course. So you got your doctor's commission and then you did a rotation around the other shows and then the idea is that you emerge from that point with a few hours of TV under your belt and hopefully you'll have sort of landed on one of those shows and they'll have fallen in love with you, you'll have fallen in love with you, you'll get a few hours under your belt from that. Often didn't happen, didn't quite happen for me, I didn't really find a natural home for my voice within any of those shows. Um, but it was a great, very bruising, painful, punishing, difficult experience. <laughs> um, but I learned a hell of a lot for it. Went away and licked my wounds for a while and, and uh, went back to being absolutely skint. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I got on to Corey and I found a show that I just really flew on and suited me and was the right show and was probably the one I should have. But I, wouldn't have, I don't think I would have done Corey as well if I hadn't done all that other horrible, bruising, painful, difficult stuff. And, and then, then there's always a reason, there's always a reason to say no, and, and I felt like I, I didn't mean to contradict you earlier when you said, Gregor, about, because when it comes to the more traditional ways of making content, they are, the, and they're understandably risk-averse, because even a bog-standard British TV drama, you know, you're, you're talking however many hundreds of thousands of pounds an hour to make, and quite rightly and quite understandably, as frustrating as it can be when you think you're the most talented, innovative writer in the world, Somebody's sitting there thinking, I'm going to commit millions of pounds to this here, and they want a bit of comfort from it. So I think if you're a new, exciting writer who's maybe got a couple of cool plays on at the Royal Court in London, then Channel 4 will take a chance and you know, put you in a big indie. And they say, right, he's really cool and he's exciting, or she's really cool and exciting, it's the next big thing, but we'll get a bit of comfort by going with Carnival or whoever else, you know. And that's So there's always that thing about just... And it's like when you're picking an agent as well, you know, you go to one of the big boys and you're a very small fish in a big pond because 
they've got Jimmy McGovern as their client and you'll never hear from your agent or do you go to a small boutique agent and they'll phone you every week but you'll never get your job, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, you've always got these decisions to make and it's all about knowing, and, 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 and you described it as a crude analogy with stocks and shares thing, but it's the reality of it kind mm-hmm. of really yeah, is that we have all got a place in the pecking order and you all, we all, I dream of getting to a point when I can point into a meeting and put my demands on the table and tell them what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. I, I don't really dream of that, you know, but. Well, um, I'd, I'd like to echo, I mean, one thing you do need in this business is a thick skin. You yes. Know, we probably get one in 50 ideas that we develop off, off the ground. I mean, it's really tough, it's really competitive. I've got projects that I love that I can't sell. Uh, it's a long game. I, I keep yes, them in the drawer. I, I, yeah, I keep yeah, re- yeah. not recycling, but regenerating them. And and you know, it took me two years to get Bank of Day, make him an overnight success. Yeah. But it's <laughs> it's it's tough. It, you, it's you need a very very thick skin. Yeah. And be, to be able to take feedback and yeah, not learn from yeah. it and adapt and you know just kind of uh, know if that it's coming from a good place. Found that a lot with them. Um, just working, you know, we work with got about 160 people um, that we're working with at the moment on their content and it's the ones that take the feedback and you know um, kind of kind of realize that you've got you've got the expertise when it comes to like optimizing their kind of creativity um, and, and it's the ones that take that and, and adapt and you know ask lots of questions and people who are just they don't want to hear it you know mm-hmm. that's it's just not the, the way to go about things. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. I'll take one more question if, if we've got, got it, and then I think we're going to have to wind up because we're just about at the end. Anyone else? Yes. I was wondering if any of you had any advice for people who are maybe already in the industry, um, but just finding that, so for in my example, I've been working in the industry in factual and factual in television for a number of years and came up the traditional route researcher, assistant producer, I now work mainly as a producer. And what I found is that getting that first directing credit or edit producing credit is proving to be quite challenging. Nobody seems to want to take a risk on giving you that first new role, even though you might have done some of those things and bits and pieces through your other work. And I just wondered if anybody had any thoughts about I don't know what we can do about that because I feel like a few other people in my position are struggling with this as well at the moment. Katie? I, I think that um, Channel 4 have been funding a few shadowing um, posts and, and maybe they're doing more because they are definitely spending more up here now. But I know there was a big Channel 4s. I mean, when we go to, when we get a commission and we're working very closely on a fact, big fact campaign for Channel 4 at the moment, it's in secondary development, you know, every step of the way, they have to approve who we put on it. It's not me saying, I'll take a chance on you. They have to have sign-off on you. They have to send you a CV. And every, everything is, is done like that. So it's quite hard. But if we can get... I know IWC did it, um, and it's happening a bit at Firecracker, that people will shadow. It's, it's, a, it's a big risk. And I always... You know, there used to be... BBC Scotland used to have excess where people could do it a half-hour film, or there used to be more inserts, I think inserts for the one show, that all those sorts of things are the, are the best training ground that you can get, or putting your own stuff together, you know, doing it on iMovie, you know, showing that you can do that, uh, you know, you, you just have to prove yourself, really. But it's, it's a bigger risk for all of us, that, that risk goes down the line, you know, the commissioner, you know, if you had a new director on a sitcom, that, the risk is yours. 
Yeah, I, I was going to ask, like, do, do you work in quite low, like, returning things, long-running things? Or? Yeah, I mean, I've worked on a lot of the big, you know, long-running, return, returning formats. The way, the way you ought to be able to kind of get around this, like, I think, it, like, when you, you've got a new thing, right, mm -hmm. uh, then you can understand the broadcaster and, yeah. and, and an exec sort of saying, like, we need a really trusted pair of hands that, that, that sort mm -hmm. of, like, going to shape this, you know, it has the experience to do that. Whereas if you're on a long-run returning thing, which you evidently know very well inside out, then or really to make that next step, you know, that, that's, that's where you ought to be able to make it, really. And then once you've done it in a returning show, then you would start competing mm -hmm. for doing new things and making your mark and you being the person that shapes them. So, so that is a frustrating point that you found, but I, th I think yeah, you're probably right. You also, you, you, you need to find a way of, you, of kind of going, how can I make them see me in a slightly different way? Because clearly the way they see you just now, like yeah. they're not giving you that opportunity. So what is it? Is it showing that extra bit mm -hmm. of commitment or just having an extra bit of skills of doing, I don't know, something else that will just alter their mindset? Because you've got all the other yeah. equipment, haven't you? No, we, we wish you luck with that. Yeah. I'll look out for your director credit on Thank the, you. <laughs> <laughs> <in> the <laughs> next <laughs> series. Um, well, I think we're just... We're, we're at our time, yes, I'm getting the signal, but I, I just, to sort of wind up, I thought I would just ask the same question to each of you, which is, um, what do you wish you'd known when you first started out? You come back to me. I'll come back to you. <laughs> yeah, Rega? I'd, I'd sort of just echo what I was saying earlier uh, about I sort of wish I'd known things were more possible. You know, everything's sort of possible if, if you can... Uh, and, and not to deny yourself, not to put yourself out of the race before you've even sort of started, you know, ha like be ambitious and, 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 you know, go go for it, try and, try and go for it. Yeah. Good, cool. I, I would say the same, it's just stick to your, stick to your guns and go for it and anything is possible, you know, it's, it's persistence is, is a big thing and that's what, mm. as an independent producer, you need to be persistent. I think, and this will probably segue very nicely into what, what oh, we were going so to say, much. I would <laughs> hope, is that I wish I'd done more earlier of making my own stuff and trying stuff and just having a go at rather than Rather than sitting and putting words on pages, which is a really important part of what I do, I wish I'd done a bit earlier, start putting like small-scale theatre on. If it was now, I would be making little films or whatever or doing that and, and using these kind of sort mm -hmm. of medium channels to get it out. Yeah, I think I, I kind of wish I'd known that you probably you don't have to stick to one kind of one area. It is possible to to kind of skill up, like from my personal experience, pretty quickly. Um, so kind of like what's important is the passion for what you're doing, and you can learn all the technical skills and things like that. You can anyone can learn that. It's the passion probably comes first. Thank you very much to um, to Kirsty to Ben. Uh, to Gregor and Katie uh, for sharing your insights. Um, let's give them a round of applause. <laughs>